only thing we have to fear is fear itself. The National Weather Service has issued a severe thunderstorm warning. Welcome. To the Common Sense Practical Prepper Podcast, where prepping doesn't have to be complicated or expensive. Coming to you from a well-defended off-grid compound high in the mountains. Coming to you from his Florida room in Richmond, Virginia. Neither off-grid nor well-defended, unless you count as chickens and cats, here is your host, Keith. You cannot truly call yourself peaceful unless you are capable of great violence. If you're not capable of great violence, then you're not peaceful, you're harmless. There's a very important distinction. Hey everybody, this is Keith and welcome back to the Common Sense Practical Prepper Podcast, episode 54. Today is August 16th, 2023. In a few minutes, we'll dive a little bit deeper into that quote, but I want to jump into the very first topic here. The podcast episode 52 is by far and away the most popular podcast as far as downloads and listens that I've had in the 57 or so podcasts that I have uploaded. I want to thank everybody so, so much for listening in and perhaps sharing uh, sharing it with a friend or sending them the link. I really do appreciate everybody listening. Talk briefly about Oliver Anthony, who is the subject of the last podcast, episode 52. And if you've had a chance to check out his video on YouTube or his socials, you'll have seen that uh, his popularity has grown immensely over the last, gosh, week, 10 days. Absolutely amazing. A couple of his songs, obviously the biggest song is Richmond North of Richmond. Doggone It is another really good song and Ain't Got a Dollar. Here's the thing about his music. It's basically about working class America, working class folks. There is a couple pokes at politicians, but if you've noticed in his songs, he doesn't talk about Republican, Democrat, right, left, middle. He talks about politics, but about all politicians. But what he talks about is people working their butts off, not getting paid a decent wage. The money they do get is overtaxed and they're having a hard time just surviving. Now this cuts across all political spectrums, race, color, creed. It's an everybody thing. Unless you're an elite and you're super, super rich, we can all we can all relate to the message that he has in his song. Again, it's not about left or right, Republican, Democrat, independent. It's about the working class Joe who's not being paid what he needs to be paid, not able to pay his bills, take care of his family, whatever it happens to be. And it's funny because I've read several articles where there's certain magazines like Rolling Stone that's trying to cancel him already. And I'm not sure if they automatically think that he's a conservative, that he's a Republican, he voted for Trump, whatever the situation is. But you notice he doesn't say anything about that. He does not name any politicians that I'm aware of at any of his songs. So I guess the folks at Rolling Stone magazine just assume that if he's a good old boy in the country that lives off grid and plays a guitar and sings about uh, not getting paid what he's worth and not able to pay the bills, I guess they automatically think that he's a conservative, which I think is a a bit of a stretch for them. But anyway, if you have not checked him out, Oliver Anthony on YouTube, go ahead and uh, check out his videos. It's really, really good stuff. Okay, for the main topic at hand that I want to talk about tonight, and that is not being a victim. Now, we've all seen the videos. 
We've all seen the news blurbs about looting and rioting in some major cities that is going completely unchecked. The rapper guy, what about a week and a half ago, who had a meetup downtown New York, not Times Square, Union Square. Everybody went bananas when he didn't give out enough, what, PS5s or something like that. They started destroying cars, looting stores, assaulting the police, and very little was done. And he wasn't blamed. He was the person that called all these people down here. He was the person that uh, had this big meetup that turned violent. And apparently he was arrested like or detained for a brief period of time. And then he was released. I'm not sure if he was charged with anything. You see videos of people going into CVS or other types of drugstores and just grabbing stuff off the shelf, putting stuff into pillowcases, suitcase, book bags, people going to grocery stores, loading up several carts full of groceries and just rolling them right out into the parking lot. Some of them will put duct tape over their license plates. People will videotape it. Store security will videotape it. And then the people just jump in their cars and they just drive off. People stopping traffic and jumping on cars, assaulting people on the street, mobs of people just attacking uh, folks walking down the street, minding their own business. In a lot of ways, especially in these large cities, this is the norm. That is a very sad commentary if all these groups just go beating people for no reason, many times murdering people for no reason, and vandalizing shops. It's no wonder that a lot of these stores close up in a lot of these metropolitan areas and never come back, because why would they? Anyway, don't be a victim. And here's a couple tips and here's some, they're very, very easy. You don't have to be, you know, six foot five, 270 pounds and walk around uh, like, you know, like a Mr. Muscle Man or something like that. But here are just some very basics, and then I'll get into a couple specifics. When visiting entertainment districts, like downtown in certain cities, dress down if possible. Make sure you know where you parked your car, well lit area. Don't wear flashy jewelry, fine clothes, drive an expensive car. Well, you don't have to worry about me driving an expensive car. Be alert. Walk with the purpose. And I've talked about that before. When you walk with the purpose, you're walking down the street and you're aware of your surroundings. You're not looking at the sidewalk. You're not looking at your phone. If someone comes towards you, you make brief eye contact. You let them know that you saw them. If someone is intent on doing your harm, doing you harm. If you make eye contact, maybe they pass you by because if they rob you, they knock you to the ground, you can describe what they look like to law enforcement. So make eye contact. Don't walk around like you're lost. Even if you are lost, walk like you know where you're going. Don't be staring at your phone, talking on the phone. Hey, uh, Jimmy, I'm not sure where I'm at. Can you... Uh, I'm at this the corner of whatever and whatever. Can you give me directions? Don't do that. Walk with a purpose. Don't let people stop you. Oh, excuse me. Uh, can you help me? I think I'm lost. Or do you have the time, sir? You just keep on walking. Don't talk to strangers. They get you distracted and then up, you know, out of the bushes or around the corner of the building comes the person, a friend of theirs, an accomplice that's going to hit you over the head, grab your wallet, grab your purse or whatever. If you can avoid walking home, you know, from work or wherever in the dark, avoid that at all costs. When approaching your car, if it's in a parking lot, get your keys out, have your key in your hand. Don't go digging in your pocket when you get to the car, or if you have a purse, you're a female, digging through your purse because now you're distracted. Check the passenger seat of your car before you get in. 
Look into the back seat if you have a back seat of your car before you get in. And I'm almost sure everybody locks their door. But what about the person that was able to get into your car and is laying down in the back seat waiting for you to drive off so they can attack you? When leaving your home, tell somebody where you're going. Hey, I'm going to Mike's house. I'm going to Linda's house. I'll be home from work at you know midnight. Yep, I'm coming straight home. I may stop at the grocery store. Let people know where you're going. If you're living with roommates, send them a text, write them a note. Hey, heading over to Mike's house for pizza. Be back later. Let me know if you need anything. Okay, here's a couple, I guess, specific examples of what I'm talking about. Like I said, I was a police officer for 26 years, and we were always taught in the academy that the the very easiest way, or I guess the first level of de-escalating a situation is just with your physical presence. Now, when I was a police officer, I weighed a lot more than I do now. So I'm 6'3". When I was a police officer, 6'3", 275, 285, full uniform, body armor, the whole thing. People told me that I was a very imposing figure when I walked into a, walked into a house or a trailer whenever I go for a call for service. So people will tell me that, oh, you always look, you look really mean. I'm really not a mean person. If you had met me when I was a cop and you didn't know I was a cop, take away the haircut, the high and tight. After talking with me or hanging around with me for five, 10 minutes, you would not have been able to guess my occupation minus the haircut. I'm very easygoing, very non-assuming, out of uniform. But like almost every cop, when they put on the uniform, they switch into cop mode. I would venture to say that when I took a call for service, loud music, disturbance, domestic violence, whatever it happened to be, I'm almost positive that there were countless times that the situation was de-escalated the moment I walked in the door. All I did was walk in the door introduce myself, look around the room, take a quick scan to see who I could see and what they were doing. Are there two people in the room or are there three people? Is one person sitting on the couch? Can I not see their hands? Do I hear somebody in the kitchen? Or are both parties standing in front of me? At 6'3", 275, there's plenty of folks that are bigger than I am. But when you walk in with a purpose, and nowadays people could care less if you're in law enforcement, they could care less if you're a cop. You're not going to get that respect in many, many aspects. But just by walking in the room, knowing what you want to do, knowing what you want to say, explaining how things are going to happen, not, you know, you'll ask your questions, but you'll, you're going to tell these people, this is what's going to happen. There were countless times I can imagine that I avoided being assaulted, verbally assaulted, physically assaulted, just by my physical presence walking into the room and giving out the aura, I guess you could say, that I'm in command, I'm in control, I'm the person of authority, and you're going to listen to what I say. I will listen to what you have to say, but when push comes to shove, no pun intended, we're going to do it my way, especially if a law has been broken and I'm going to make an arrest. In the end, every cop that puts on the uniform at the beginning of their shift, in their mind, they're coming home at the end of their shift in the same condition, maybe a little more tired than they were when they left. No cop puts on a uniform and heads off to their shift thinking or knowing I'm never going to make it home tonight to my family or whomever. They have that mentality that they're a survivor. When you're walking down the street. Walk with a purpose. If anybody is intent on doing your ha- doing you harm, make eye contact very briefly. We're not going to stare at them. Make eye contact and let's hope that that person passes you by. 
Oh, this person doesn't look very meek. This person doesn't look lost, even though you are. This person that the bad guy just made eye contact with, I'm not going to mess with them. When I would come into a call for service, again, house, trailer, whatever it happens to be, and you had to use, and I had to use my police voice, it was stop, let me see your hands, either move or don't move. If I have to put hands on somebody, stop resisting, place your hands behind your back, you're under arrest, whatever it happens to be. If you had a very meek voice or you spoke with hesitation and you did not speak with confidence, I imagine there would be times when the bad guy would want to take advantage of the situation. If a police officer or whomever, just if you walk into a situation as a civilian at a party, somebody's being loud, you're, you know, you have a barbecue, Uncle Uncle Jimmy's had too much to drink, whatever it happens to be. If you don't show some sort of, I guess, command of the situation, hey, Jimmy, put the beer down, shut your yap, or I'm making you go home, as opposed to very meek. Well, you know, I mean, <laughs> that's just Jimmy. He just gets a few, uh, few Miller lights in him and he gets a little wacky. I mean, what are you going to do? And then Jimmy gets loud, knocks over the barbecue, starts throwing potato salad at people, and then it's just a mess. So when you when you have that command presence, people will listen, and they're very likely to do what you need them to do. Another example, several years ago, I went to Russia on vacation, went to Moscow, went to St. Petersburg. I was warned ahead of time about the gypsies in the subway that will try to pickpocket you. Now, my mistake was... Uh, wearing a pair of 5.11s, the tactical pants, and I had my uh, wallet and my passport in the side leg pocket in the left side. Now, since then, 5.11 retailed their pants where the pocket is, uh, the side pocket for the leg is much higher than it was. It's not the regular, you know, pocket pocket. It's the one that's uh, on the side of the leg. It's kind of square Velcro or whatever. It's a little higher up and it's kind of angled towards you. So it's not straight down. And I knew how, I knew how this was going to work, how the gypsies, they'll come up, they'll bump into you. They'll distract you on the left while someone puts their hand in their pocket on the right. And then they immediately take your wallet or whatever, and they hand it back to their accomplice gypsy, gypsy number two, directly behind them. So if, when you look down at that person, they don't have anything in their hands. They've already given their wallet, your wallet or whatever passport. In, in this case, if you know, I had my passport to the person behind them and they walk off. And you don't, so you've got, you know, 10 or 15 feet, maybe two or three people between you and the person who has your wallet. So the subway door, crowded subway in Moscow, subway door opens. I start moving towards kind of shuffling through with everybody. And I felt a hand in that side pants pocket. I looked down. I saw the fingers go into the pocket. I turned to my left, looked over my shoulder, and there was one of the gypsies reaching for my wallet and passport. Well, she got an elbow to the face. I immediately cocked my arm back. She did not hesitate. She did not stop. And then she got an elbow to the nose. I then screamed, get back, get away from me. I don't care if she understood what I said or not. I'm drawing attention. So people start looking at what's going on with her hand in my pocket and her falling to the ground. And then there's her little gypsy friend behind her. She takes off, uh, you know, trying to squeeze between the crowd to leave. Well, not like I thought anybody was going to hang out and wait for the police, but I did not lose my wallet nor my passport. So I get on to the subway and I have a, I have my camera bag with me. I have some very expensive camera gear that I brought over there 
and I spun the backpack around so it's now on my chest. So I'm sat there, I got my back against like one of the subway windows, and there's two other gypsies that are standing in front of me, two male gypsies, and there's a female gypsy over to the side. And they're looking at me, they're looking at me up and down in a very regular tone. I said, don't effing try it. And I said it just like that. They averted their eyes. They looked off to the side. They looked down and they turned around. Now, what was going to happen? I have no idea. Did they like my camera bag? Did they think I was cute? I have no idea. But my training told me that those three people were sizing me up. Who knows? Maybe I was about to get shot or stabbed because the gypsy that just got the forearm shiver is like their aunt or something. I have no clue. But they looked at me and I knew they were up to no good. And when I told them what I told them, very forceful, they heard me, it was very loud, and pretty much, you know, the F word translates very well in multiple languages, and they turned around. Maybe a disaster, potential disaster averted, I have no idea, absolutely no idea. So what I'm saying, folks, is with all the crazy stuff going on in the world, don't be a victim. Don't just, oh, it'll never happen to me. Or, and I've seen it a million times, something will happen and people not even associated, directly associated with the event will just start screaming at the top of their lungs for absolutely no reason. You have to remain calm. If you're next to someone who got shot, they got robbed, a serious car accident, there's a, a house or a car on fire, losing all sense of control and just screaming at the top of your lungs does no good. Here's an example. My girlfriend relayed a story to me that happened about six months ago or so. She works in an office, uh, several stories, five, six stories, multiple businesses, and the fire alarm went off. Now, nobody saw a fire. Nobody smelled smoke, but the fire alarm goes off. What is the first thing you do when the fire alarm goes off? You stand up, you look around. Well, my office isn't on fire. Linda's office across the hall isn't on fire. I don't see any fire trucks outside, so I'm going to get my keys. If it's winter, I'm going to grab my coat, my keys and my coat, and I'm going outside. Now, if you work in an office building, the nearest exit, that's where you go. It may be to the rear of the building, out the side, out the front. If you have a small business, you, have, you should have spoken to everybody in the offices. Hey, folks, if we have an evacuation, I need everybody to meet under the flagpole to the right. Because as the office manager or the supervisor or, the, or whatever... I need to account for everybody. So when there's a fire drill or a false alarm, everybody goes outside, then they go to the flagpole. Okay, one, two, three, four. Okay, everybody's here. Perfect. What you don't do is get up from your desk and run screaming down the hallway, yelling, there's a fire, there's a fire, and running out into the parking lot without your shoes on, and it's 50 degrees outside, and all you have is just a regular shirt. Just, you know, no hoodie or anything, just like regular office clothes. So my girlfriend gets her keys. She's like, well, if this is a real fire, we might be outside for a while. And in that case, I'm going to sit in my car where it's warm. And in the event, something serious has happened with the building and we're not coming back in. I've got my keys. I'm going home. The rest of her office mates just walked out and I don't know, they, they just went to, and they met in front of somebody's car. They had no no meeting point. Well, they get out there and then there's a lady who went running out, screaming and yelling, there's a fire, there's a fire, like standing there, like her arms crossed, very, very cold in her bare feet. And everybody just looks at her like, what are you doing? Well, there's a fire. There, I, no, there's not a fire. 
90% of the time when the fire goes, fire alarm goes off, it's a false alarm or some sort of malfunction. It was windy. It got a little cold. And they all sat in my girlfriend's car until the firefighters came. They cleared the alarm. And then everybody was able to go back in. And then there's the lady out there shivering with no shoes. Have a plan. Don't go, don't be chicken little running out of the office screaming, there's a fire, there's a fire, everybody run. Because that's not going to help anybody. And you're going to be the person standing outside in the cold in a t-shirt with no shoes. Okay, let's talk about my garden. I have more cucumbers than I'm ever going to be able to eat. The lattice that I put together, just put together real quick, looked at a couple of videos. They're doing okay. However, when I plant my garden next year, I'm going to plant the cucumbers and I'm going to have the lattice down first. And then I'm going to plant the cucumbers next to the lattice so they'll, they don't have to stretch as far to climb the climate. I don't have to finagle the, la- uh, the lattice, but all sorts of other chicken wire to get them to climb. I'll make it a lot more, I guess, uniform so the cucumbers don't have to reach as far to grab a hold of the chicken wire and the little wooden frame and have them you know, go up, uh, go up in the little viney things and grow their big cucumbers. I got some really weird shaped cucumbers because it's kind of going to the lattice and it's jumping over to the side. It's, it's a mess, an absolute mess, but I have some really good looking cucumbers and they taste fantastic. The sweet peppers aren't very sweet. The hot peppers are just coming in and the tomatoes are okay. There's a couple, I've got some Roma tomatoes and some like sweet, they're called like sweet 100s or whatever. They're, they're small round tomatoes. They kind of look like cherry tomatoes, but they're not. But oh my gosh, it's like putting a cube of sugar in your mouth. They are so, so good. The chickens are doing fine. With the exception of the days that we get, a week or two ago, 105, 110 with the heat index. Now it's like low 90s, mid 90s, humidity not too bad. When it gets super, super hot, as you can imagine, it really disrupts their egg laying cycle, I guess you would say. So as long as the temperature is warm, but it's consistently warm, they'll go ahead and lay, gosh, I'm getting an egg per chicken almost every day. In fact, I, I just I just broke open seven, seven dozen eggs, raw eggs, whipped them up and put them in the trays and they're in the freezer now. So probably Friday morning, I'll put four, I think there's seven trays. I think at six or seven trays, I'll put four trays into the freeze dryer. And by the end of the weekend, I'll have another five and a half, six dozen, whatever happens to be in those four trays, have those dehydrated, get those in mason jars and put them in the pantry. So lots of eggs. They're doing very, very well. Um, I got their feed, changing their water every single day using the hydro hen as a, it's like a Gatorade for chickens. They like that. I'm making sure I scrub their waterers like every three days with a little bit of just a tiny bit of bleach. I've got algae growing in them. They're the clear, well, they're kind of opaque plastic and the way the sun is oriented with their coop. Well, the way the coops are oriented towards the sun in the afternoon and early morning, uh, there's a lot of uh, direct sunlight on the waterers. I moved them around a little bit, so I don't fill them all the way up since I'm dumping it out every day. That would just be a waste of the of the hydro hand, the electrolytes, the Gatorade for chickens, but they seem to be doing very well. I have got a lot of sand in their coop and in their runs. It makes the poop run and the poop pick up a whole lot easier. Knock on wood, uh, everybody is remaining healthy. As long as they keep the poop picked up, I don't have to worry about them eating the poop or eating some infected uh, other bird droppings that fall in, uh, fall into the area that are have some sort of bacteria or some sort of parasites in them. I keep it clean. 
I'm throwing their their snacks. I'm putting that little Tupperware tops, and I'm putting that on a little bed of sand that I have that they don't poop on. So I keep everything clean, and I don't feel I'm not really nervous about putting some of the snacks on the on the ground on the sand on the bed of sand as opposed to just the bare dirt that obviously has much more much more bacteria parasites and just dirty poopy stuff. So uh, chickens going very very well. I have to start thinking about winterizing the coop even though it's what mid August and you know we're going to be good here in Central Virginia until gosh, probably mid-October before I really have to worry about, yeah, mid-late October before I really have to worry about a, a temperature drop that'll start affecting them. First frost isn't like till the first or second week of November. Kind of a weird weather pattern here in uh, in central Virginia. But so that's basically what's going on here. Pantry is doing very well. I have not been to the grocery store in a couple of weeks and I've actually been eating out of the pantry. I ran across another thing of peanut butter that is past its uh, expiration date. The, the oil, the Peanut oil has come to the top. I did mix this one up and I got it mixed up pretty well, but it still, the taste is off. But I'm going through the corn, the tuna, the chicken, and anything that's six months out, I'm just going to start eating that so I don't throw that away. Uh, Cannon, my diabetic cat, is doing very well. His insulin has been has jumped up to one unit, so it's three units twice a day. And since I moved him to three units, he is much more lively. He is now playing with me. He plays fetch. He's always played fetch with me. So I think his blood sugar is is finally getting in a good place, and he's much more himself, we'll say. So take him in next week or the week after. They'll do a quick spot check, grab his glucose level, and hopefully it's going to be much closer to normal you know, if we're lucky, we caught it early enough, he might go into remission with the high protein, sugar free food that's super duper expensive, and then the insulin. So the vet said we caught it, uh, we caught it early. So that's a chance he will, he will certainly uh, go into uh, remission. And then it's just a matter of monitoring his blood sugar every once in a while, get him off the insulin, and make sure he stays on that high protein, uh, sugar free food. So he seems to like that, and uh, he's doing very well with the injections. Folks, thank you so much. I know it went a little bit long, but thank you so much for stopping by and listening. All the new folks, a bunch of different new countries have checked in. Maybe I'll have a chance to go through some mail. I know I was going to go through a couple emails that I've received, but I just I did not have a chance. Uh, work has been crazy this week. I wanted to record something a few days ago, so I had a little bit time tonight. I might get a chance to read some a- email. I probably have eight or ten emails that I really want to get to and read to everybody. Uh, they've asked some very good questions, so I certainly want to get to those as soon as I can. And as always especially with all the shenanigans and asshattery going on in the world. Please be safe out there. Take care of one another. And until next time. Thanks for listening to the Common Sense Practical Prepper Podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. While you're at it, help spread the word by leaving a rating and review. 